It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Movies, Films, and Flicks. I am Mark Hoffmeyer, and joining me is someone who just fixed a huge bowl of goat's milk ice cream. It's Sanande Boetas. <laughs> oh, Mark. It's Sanande Boetas. Came here to cry. <laughs> <laughs> you just watched the movie. and so I you... just watched the movie. Oh. For a second time. Not the first time. Or third time, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it was the second time. Because, um, yeah, I like watching it before um, uh, talking to you, just so it's fresh in my head. But, yeah, kind of, um, yeah, I shouldn't have done it this time. Watch this movie. It really, yeah, it, it's a wrecker. It wrecks me. It's it's a it's a brilliant movie, but um, not the easiest watch in the world. Yeah, I watched this with my wife, Megan, and she went to bed no problem. I watched this for the third time with her, and I stayed up in bed just looking at the ceiling just thinking about what life was all about and grief and sadness and and uh communication and i just rabbit hold into just the worst possible place but that's the brilliance of this movie i jotted down every time i got goosebumps and i had goosebumps 11 times in this movie it's but you know what though i've watched films before where i felt like i needed to take a shower afterwards so you you watch movies like I Saw the Devil or Thirst or yes, some of Larry Clark yes. films where you just feel heavy. You feel yeah. a weight. You're exhausted. You, you you feel like you need Gatorade. Like, I need electrolytes after watching this movie because I am so exhausted. But this movie never weighs on me like some of the other films do. And I think that's that's wonderful. So it's so heavy to watch. And the themes are so tough. But I never felt like there was a weight on my shoulders watching this. And that's... That's just a credit to what Brian Bertino and his crew and his actors, because everything is just beautiful to look at. This is his Texas farm they shot on. Like this is a property that his family owns, and just the widescreen, the like the wide shots, the ah, so many setups and incredible for me. Like this movie hits really hard in regards to grief and loneliness and and hopelessness. Spoilers, but there's so much technical shot, like technical uh, wizardry going on. Beautiful. kind of keeps me from being fully just punched in the face. And I really like that. And the actress, uh, Mar- Maron Ireland, was talking about when she met with Brian about this film. He's like, yeah, most sh- most scenes that you're in, most shots, setups, we're going to do like three setups. I need 17. So he was always open to her about how much footage they needed, how much coverage. And I love how the scenes are covered in this. I like the way it's framed. It just knows what to do, but it also knows just how to punch you in the gut. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think this is one of the best movies I've ever seen, but it's also a movie that, like, I, I'm, I don't know if I can watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just, like, it, I'll, I will, though, because, yes, you are absolutely right. The cinematography is something to behold in this film. 
I mean, yeah, Brian Bettino, like, his movies are always beautiful. I mean, we love his Oh, stuff. yeah, yeah. But, oh, this film. Can we just talk about the whole intro, like, the moment it starts with the mother in, like, yeah. what is Virginia. that little, like, yeah, that room of hers where she, like, does the clothes. And you've got all these, what do you call that, doll stuff? Yeah, mannequins, um, I guess, right? Mannequins, yeah. Listen, you're going to have to help me. I'm a bit mush over yeah. here. So <laughs> I forget how to words. <laughs> but yeah, with the mannequins, just those shots. Stunning, stunning. The sound design. Holy oh, yeah. moly. Incredible. It's absolute. It's merciless. It's merciless. Mm -hmm. And there's finally mannequins for a reason. She She's a designer. She's a clothes designer. So you have Ish. these mannequins. Not like in... Halloween 2018, where she has 40 mannequins in her upstairs bedroom that Michael hides in. I like that mm -hmm. these mannequins have a place. And they they never use them for scares either, which, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're eerie, but he never they never play them for a peekaboo where someone's hiding as a mannequin as like a rock statue. You know what I mean? Like standing next Absolutely. to one. That takes restraint Absolutely. right there. <laughs> I love it because it sets the tone from mm -hmm. the get-go. Like mannequins, eerie, especially the way he shoots it. Yeah, it doesn't, like, come back to huh, mannequin scare, because <laughs> that would have been cheesy. I mean, and there are actually a couple of jump scares in this movie, which I thought was pretty well done. The first one got to me the first time I watched it. I literally screamed when she opened that shower curtain. That was, yeah, and I, like, I don't scream. And it, it, it takes a lot to get me to fall for a jump scare. I thought that was really good. I loved the... The whole sequence with um, the brother, Michael, in um, the room where his lights, the lights start to go uh, on. Oh, How good is that, though? The tension that he builds. And that's also another thing with filming this film, um, filming this movie. Like, he really took his time with the shots, but not overly so. Like, a lot of times yeah. in horror movies, you feel like they linger just that second or two too long where you're starting to get bored with it. Oh, his pacing in this with all the little build-ups and they really didn't, there was no shot that I felt was unnecessary yeah. or out of place. The rhythm just kept it. Like, yeah, the editing was also fantastic. This it's is really such a good movie, Mark. It's not precious. You know, some teams no. hold on hold on to shots too long or there's a shot that does not need to be in it, but they thought it'd be cool to shoot through this hole in the wall. So they're like, oh, yeah. we're just going to do that. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing like that in this movie. I, I didn't get taken out at all from this film. And the one thing, did you catch the demon hiding in the goats in the beginning, the I, flash of it? I did. I that, did. I was like, why is it in the goats? It's just a jerk. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Oh, I just want to. Running oh, with the animals, I guess. I want to. The wolf between the sheep. Like. Oh, gosh, you're right. That is it, isn't it? A, yeah, that's it. Now, the thing that breaks my heart most about this movie, and I didn't get this the first time around, but the second time it's really hit me, where Virginia Straker, the mom, played by Julie Oliver Touchstone, she's been living with this thing for who knows how long, months. And she's been staying strong. She's all by herself at night. This absolute loneliness, isolated. But for months, she just goes about her way. She keeps working. She keeps cooking. She keeps sewing. I'm getting, getting, getting goosebumps. The chairs are being pointed towards her. She just keeps on keeping on, like in the words of Joe Dirt. She just doesn't stop. And I, but what gets me is her moment of weakness that, you know, this thing thrives on weakness, on isolation, of, of losing hope, of seeing you know, what happens to the nurse when the brother leaves and she's like, you left me. That the nurse starts feeling sad and that opens up room for her, the hospice nurse, to hurt herself. But the mom stays strong until her kids come home. And they just don't listen to her. And like, there's no communication in this family. So a lot of people are like, they should just talk to each other. But if you've been in a strange family where there's no communication, you're not going to talk to each other like that. And she can't, as uh, from what I heard, she, I guess she was an atheist. She can't just be like, hey, I'm a Christian now because a demon's sucking your father's soul out. You can't explain that to them. And they aren't listening. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. So what gets me is that when they come home and don't listen to her and she knows that they're in danger now, that's when the demon gets her. That's when she cuts her fingers. That's when she goes out and hangs herself is when her kids come home. So she's fighting this thing by herself pretty well. And then when that hits, that's the window for this demon. And that that's what's really getting me now about this movie. Like what really gets me. And sorry to get heavy on you here, but that's, I don't know. I've been mm -hmm. thinking about that lately. And it's 
it's just sad. <laughs> it really is just sad. No, it's yeah. really sad. I mean, I teared up while you were talking now because this movie. So I also think that, um, so, you know, like, you know, we all have unique experiences and, and that also contributes to how we see movies. Like, you know, we all have our different lenses almost like, you know, I do think, um, people that struggle or no people that live with depression is definitely going to see this movie differently than people who don't. Um, because, Depression is a big thing in this movie. Like, it's literally that thing. It's about... Because during the whole movie, you've got this thing of feeling nothing. Like, the brother especially goes on about, like, the feeling nothing. And it's actually kind of freaking him out in a way. But it's this, like, juxtaposition of feeling nothing. But then, because when you feel something, it's so painful and horrific that it's really hard to live with, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think I love it that it opened with the mother. We saw her doing her thing. We saw her in total isolation. She's alone. Like, they show us, like, the dad that's, like, clearly sick and stuff. But, you know, and she's doing her thing. And she's in the kitchen. And she's chopping up food. And then there's just, like, this moment. And she also, like, turns to the chair where, obviously, like, the 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 idea is that the thing has come and it has entered. And it's almost like... She starts feeling nothing. Um, mm -hmm. And it's that very dangerous thing of depression is when you start giving up, uh, when nothing really matters anymore. So, yeah, I think then, like, it's so sad because when the kids come and they, they also, like, especially the brother, he's like, it's going to be okay, mom. And he's like, what's going to be okay? Like, how can you – like, at one point she also tells, um, tells him, um, you don't know what this is. That's also very much like, you know, ah. people with the dark thoughts, people that's like they're, they've already made up their minds, man. Ugh, yeah, oh, this yeah. Because, mm. yeah, you know, with um, depression, just get over it. Rub some dirt on it. Cheer up. Why are you, you know, why are you? Now. It's yeah. okay. It's like, it's like, oh gosh. And it's very difficult to, to explain to people when you have such dark and wicked thoughts. Mm -hmm. more dark than wicked but yeah like i love how the movie did the whole dark and wicked thing i thought it was brilliantly done mm -hmm. that's what i thought about blackguard's daughter i thought it was brilliantly done um using the whole religious angles playing it up like this war of the soul kind of thing mm -hmm. but i mean at the end of the day it's you feeling stuff like it's you that you know and it's it's like easy to say well, believe in something and try to stick it through. It's easy to say. It's easier said than done, for, mm -hmm. especially for some people that struggle with very dark thoughts. Because this is what the movie is, Mark. Like, what, like I said, it's going to differ for everyone. And I love that too. It's so relatable, you know? It's Because mm -hmm. um, it is a lot about grief and loss. You've got that family connection happening that I think a lot of people can also like – just like the, the whole um, parent-child thing as well and losing your parents and the fear of that. I mean, we've got like Michael that he doesn't feel, he doesn't feel, and then he goes back home. He thinks he can escape this like terrible trauma of seeing his mom do that to herself. And then he gets home and he sees his worst fear and that's what gets him in the end. Mm -hmm. It's a dude. I cry so much in this movie. It's, <laughs> but it's also so good. It's also so good, and I love how at the end we do have like Louise sticking it out and staying there and like you know fighting through it. But then at the same time, it gets her in the end because it will get you in the end. Like if mm -hmm. you have to see someone die, if you have to not only lose a parent but actually see someone die, that does something to you. That never goes away again. And so that was pretty cool that they added that. And that they also showed that whole thing with the nurse. Because that's what happened with the nurse. She she was telling them how many people she's been, like, you know, like, uh, 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 been there when they died. They were alone. She's the nurse, so she's the one there. And, like, how it just got too much for her in the story, which mm -hmm. is so real also. I mean, you can so, like, also have empathy for that, you know. Because, yeah, a person can only take so much until they're going to try and freaking... <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or 
metaphorically want to stick a needle in their eye. <laughs> Listen, there's going to be spoilers in this movie. Watch it. <laughs> and it's I, I like the Ireland was talking to Brian about her character, and some people are thinking, why didn't she leave? And I, I kind of hate that question. She's not in a, a three-story house on the first story, and there's a killer on the third floor, and she goes up to the third floor looking for it. There's no... That's not, you know, that dumb trope in horror. She could just run mm. out the front door. This one, they established that she probably had nothing to go back to. She probably didn't have her yeah. job. And so she's here with her family, probably, you know, has an apartment somewhere. Her car's fine. She has that Toyota. So, I mean, that looked reasonably like a nice vehicle. So she probably gets jobs here and there, can't hold on them to that long. But she's there with her family. She comes back, her mom dies, her dad's still there. She wants to help. This maybe gives her a purpose because she doesn't have anywhere to go back to. And that makes it sad as well because she, she probably had nothing out there in the world, came back, got back with her family. And then her brother leaves her and then she's just staying with her dad. Then her dad dies. And then that leaves her wide open because she's so distraught. It's a, it's, Ooh, woofda. yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> and, and I just think the movies that hit me the hardest, the horror movies that hit me the hardest or any movies where session nine, have you seen session nine? Yeah. Well, that Simon prays after weakness. And I thought it was mm. interesting how he, Simon picked the person he did, where you think of oh, these other people are the, the dummies. But he goes after the guy with the family, with the baby, who's not sleepy and who's under pressure financially. And he all that stress is on him, and that's who Simon gets. And then Simon just says, I pray on the weak. And you're just, whew, just these things, like they look for this weakness, and then they find it with the brother. I mean, Michael Abbott Jr., he, he's he's done a lot of press for this movie. He's done the majority of it. I couldn't find anything from Brian uh, Bertino, but the way he got him with his family. Because remember in the movie, he was like, all that matters to me is my family. And I don't think... Yeah. And then he just leaves her. He just leaves. And it's such a, a selfish move, but all he wanted to do was get home to his family, and then he got played because of that. It's just... Yeah. I, and he... You know what's interesting? He fought that demon off. When that demon put that knife... I don't think it's the devil, by the way. We'll get into that a little bit. But when the devil puts that knife up to his throat, or it could be depression or whatever, but the, he fights it off because he has his family to live for. So he mm. finds that strength. But when he goes home and sees that, it's all over. It's such a deviant. It's so wicked. <laughs> it is wicked. And, like, yeah, I mean, that's also that's the thing because um, I think it's also – they don't really face it. I mean, how many times in the movie do they tell each other, I don't want to talk about it? Yeah. Um, they're not really facing their demons. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, and then when he's, like, in the barn and things are really getting crazy, like, they just, yeah, things are spiraling out and dad's getting sicker and, like, you know, time also does something with trauma. Like, something might happen it might take a while before it really hits you anyways. And um, so I love it that, like, it didn't, like, they didn't immediately freak out or anything. It it happened differently for both of them, which is also very more realistic anyways. And, yeah, like, he was in the barn and alone because that's also the thing. Like you say, they prey on the weak, but it's the lonely. It's the, like, if you watch this movie again, go check out every time – someone is alone in the kitchen, that freaking door opens every time because it's they're alone. It's very much about the isolation. Um, and that's part of the sadness, you know, like these people are so lonely. And there's this thing in the movie where they're constantly talking about, okay, I'm here to, we're here to help now. We're here to support or feeling guilty that they weren't here for mom. They should have been there because there's a lot of guilt happening. It's grief, it's guilt. It's a, it's a lot of wrestling demons in this movie. But like, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's this, there's this, I, they know that support is supposed to be a good thing. They, they were supposed to check in. They were supposed to talk to each other, to talk to their parents, to communicate better. They know all this, but it didn't happen. And it didn't happen strongly enough. Instead, they became isolated from each other. And so, yeah, I think it's easier to take on, like, you know, individuals that are isolated um, versus a group that's strong, you know? Like, yeah. and <laughs> the this wolf is a... comes and pick out, the, pick out the, the weaklings standing isolated from each other. Yeah, they don't, they don't get the buck, the big buck. They get mm -hmm. the old or the young. Mm -hmm. It's just, mm. And also, I don't know. I love this movie. 
I had a I had a point, but I forgot Sorry. it there. I, I just want to. I uh, one thing I want to talk about with the on the technical angle. So <laughs> the the cinematography from Tristan uh, Nyby, I love how there's a lot of foreground. Like so whenever they shoot the bed, they always have the the. I oh, mean, I can't think of like the the head of not the so the bed frame in front, and then show the person in the bed. There's always maybe mm, a table in between. Yeah. I love the foreground that it creates distance. There's a lot of shooting through doors to show isolation. Isolation. The wide shots outside of just what the two three nine to one uh, aspect ratio just yeah. really captures oh. the oh. alone aspect and just the different angles, the height, just the space. Yeah, the space that they create when they find the mom. She's she hung herself, and they're talking in the mannequins. The way he shoots them in profile amongst the mannequins and the different openings. I just love the amount of foreground work that they did in this. There's always something interesting. There's he, he creates, you know, shooting in this cabin's tough because when you want to Dude. create isolation, you really want to have these shots that show the isolation. When you're close up in someone's face, you don't really feel that. But he they do a good job of using what they can in this cabin to create space, which highlights, once again, I'm going to say it, the isolation of these characters. I love the way they did that. I mean, door frames are used so well in, in this movie, and I, I, I love it. The I think also the lighting is in this movie is a masterclass. The lighting yeah. is absolutely fantastic from the get go. We've got the mother um, that's like finishing up in her workroom, and as she leaves, she's walking into the light, and but the camera is always in the dark. It's the same like with the house. It's always like the the positioning is in the dark because. It might seem like oh, the outside is the light or there is the light and the characters are walking in the light, but they're not really because the camera shows us that the dark is already there. The way everything is like the lighting in this movie is incredible. That cabin, what they do in there. Oh, no, it, yeah, it's just this movie is so, so, so well executed. Yeah, film school peeps, watch it. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and also, I mean, jump scares. And I I consider jump scares to be an art. I really do. Yeah. I, I love yeah. I love Funhouse movies, so Insidious 2 or yes. Dead, Dead Silence. Oh, I love Insidious 2. Yeah. I that, love that movie. I remember watching it. I went to an early screening of it with Megan. I got to take Megan. I walked out of Insidious 2 just feeling so stressed out. I don't think I've ever left the theater. I was like grabbing her arm the entire time. Just, <laughs> just so it jump scares everywhere, but it's, it's gleeful jump scares, right? It's yeah. Yeah. I felt giddy. Like, yeah, yeah there's the word. Is, there's the word. Yeah. I felt giddy. absolutely giddy. And what's interesting about dark and the wicked is these jump scares could have cheapened the film. They absolutely, but they don't. And that's what I like. I mean, they, you know, she sees the father. Then later on, they see the mother floating. Then they see the priest with the white eyes. It's, yeah, the jump scares that they're able to... I just got goosebumps again. Where... But it, it's it's artful jump scares in this. This is a... It's a different world than the Insidious 2 jump scares. You could... I would love to do just various jump scares in horror and how they differ and how certain different oh, yes. types of like i remember in alien 3 when the alien reaches from the ceiling and grabs a guy by the head and pulls it up that messed mm -hmm. with me big time as a kid that was one of my favorite jump scares and just that you you can either create this sense of so you either have this sense of being totally comfortable then a cat jumps and you jump or you just womp audiences on the head with constant gleeful jump scares but in this one oof it's uh and yeah, ireland sells it oh my gosh she, oh, she put so herself good. through the ringer in this one. And she was sick. 10 out of 10. She 10 was out sick of 10. during this. And her mom was there getting her food. The entire crew was kind of looking up. She didn't say what was the sickness, uh, but they filmed this before. Like They filmed this in 2019, so it wasn't anything going around. But just the – they said everyone looked out for her. And if the days got too long, that you know they would, they would kind of – not like patronizing looking over. She was legit sick. And they're like, okay, we probably yeah. shouldn't do this anymore. But they – I think that maybe helped the performance because she's so just her I eyes, so her too. eyes are so I, I'm not saying being sick was good for her, but I think, <laughs> you know, but maybe between like the dehydration and sunken every like it just her reaction, she sells it so well. And that's oh. that shower scene, her, the look on her face, because <gasps> we watch Dude. it and we appreciate it. But on the day, 
I mean, she had to stand in the shower looking mortified. And that's, I mean, you're actors, but that's still really tough to do, to be believable at it. And she said that she trusted Brian just 100%, and he was always there with her, not behind the monitor. And you could tell that these two distrusted him. It, it's interesting. Yeah. I It feels, this movie has such a great synthesis. And also, as far as production design, they went to his family farm. So they were able to control that. And yeah. it probably made it cheaper, so they were able to shoot longer with all these setups I mean, obviously not everybody has that, but it's neat that they were able to focus on story, character, acting, and not the the actual, you know, they weren't paying permits every day to be on this location. They weren't renting this location each day. So it was it was interesting to watch, and I think that really helped the film, you know, his family farm where he writes, which is wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's excellent. That's lucky, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but this movie, I think I can finally write a review for it. Uh, I think... I know how it spoke to me because a long time I didn't have words for it, but I think I finally do. And it just, just that demon finding openings and the grief and moments of weakness. And I like that the family to communicate like a normal family, they're not a normal family. So they'll never have that communication that they have. And I don't know. I like it. everything about it's good. I don't care. And some people have had <laughs> issues with the ending, with the ending jump scare. And yes, really? yeah. And yes, it, it is a jump scare, but she's isolated. She's alone. There's no chance now. There's no love. Her brother left. The the her mother she died. She just saw her dad die. Yeah, he her just dad died. died in front of her. So yeah, the thing got her. I yeah. mean, that's the movie. And the thing's not going to wait ten minutes. I know it's playful. The thing definitely. Yeah. The thing definitely likes to get into people's heads. Mm. It really does. It it. Okay. Correct. It can it's murder goats. It's all in the head. It can murder goats. But it can't touch humans? It does, though. Oh, yeah, it you're does. right. It does. Yeah, you're right. But it, they, do people have to give it their permission? Does it? Is there a switch in their head where they mentally just allow him, this the it to? It wins, because it I just... think it's a feeding thing, you know? I ah, think that's yeah, also yeah. why throughout the film we see the goats and the sheep, like, slowly but surely getting slaughtered more and more because it feeds so mm -hmm. it feeds. Again, it's like depression and dark thoughts. It feeds until it's over, you know? Like, it's relentless. It doesn't let up. Like, fighting it and, like, struggling against it is exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> and, again, relentless. And, yeah. And I guess that's – you're right with depression, right? Where if people just keep telling you it's okay, it's not okay. And if you have no one to talk to, then you're just there with your thoughts, which just get dark. And if you don't have any communication with your family, I mean, I've seen that. Ha I don't want to like go talk about it on the show, but there's there's some stuff that have people have gone through real legit things and they've just been waved off. Man, exactly. this movie, this movie. Ha Oof. No, exactly. And the thing is, even if you have people to talk to, it doesn't necessarily mean they'll understand. I really mm. love that line where the mother tells him, this is not what you think it is like. In the in the like metaphorical thing about the movie with the devil and stuff, she's that's what she's talking about. But yeah, like telling someone with depression, it's okay. We're here now. We'll help you. It's gonna be okay. Yeah, now you don't know what I'm going through, mate. You know, like it's 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 not you don't you, it's not what you think it is. Like yeah, it's this is it's again it's that's where the dark comes from. This is a very dark movie. Um. <laughs> hey, <how> about... <laughs> Say something, Mark. No, no, and, and no, it is. And uh, sorry, but... I, I know. What, what, what do you say when I say something so profound? Like this is a very dark movie. Yes. It is though. No, it and, is... And no joking. Not joking aside. And also, once again, it's not precious. It's not. No. And it's very I, real. It's very, very real. I, I might, I might share some pretty controversial statements here, but. There are some horror films out there that people absolutely adore, and I just can't stand. They feel fake on every level to me. I I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't want to like bring them up because people will be all mad about it. But there's some beloved horror movies out there, like psychological family, uh, cultish type stuff. But mm. it's just so fake to me. It doesn't feel real. Yep. It feels stylized and it's disconnected. It's yeah. like it's like who are you trying to relate to? Who are you like? Who is supposed to? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Th this yeah. one though, and you know what's interesting? Uh, my friend Clayton, 
he directed a horror movie called The Nothing. He's written about six scripts. He He's worked on a bunch of things. He's a horror lover. He said this is one of the scariest horror movies he'd seen in recent memory. John Levengood absolutely. of John's Horror Corner absolutely adores this movie. He said it just it tore him to, it tore him to pieces, and he mm-hmm. adored it. And I talked to oh the guy on Found Flicks said I watch a lot, I watch horror movies for a living. This is all I do. He said, but this one really really got me. Like this yeah. one scared me. So there's something about it. It's I mean it's 92 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean critics love it. I wouldn't say the audience score is only 63 and IMDb 6.1, which isn't that great. But it. I don't know. It, it found a way. I don't know. It's just a lot of people I respect love this movie. And I, mm. I, I guess we, why, why, why is this, this, I think this is going to be considered a, a great horror film soon. It, why? Uh, absolutely. It already is yeah. like between us. Uh, yeah. I know we are like nobodies, but, you know. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're ahead of the curve. We're ahead of the curve, you guys. But no, it, um, I think, I think the the thing with this movie and why we absolutely love it so much and think it's one of the scariest movies we've seen in such a long time is because, first of all, it it doesn't beat around the bush. It goes straight for the jugular, like, from the get-go. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like, almost immediately. It doesn't beat around the bush. Secondly, it's about, oh, gosh, like, the deepest, darkest, most wicked fears of death and like you know the like i say the 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 whole thing the, the struggling with your demons but like on a very very existential level and but not being all heightened allegory about it yeah that's why i say it doesn't beat around the bush it goes straight it's mm-hmm. it falls in here they are like layers and stuff but like it doesn't play on that it's just there you know it doesn't mm-hmm. make a thing about it it's straight and i think a lot of horror fans appreciate that like you know uh, we like it that it goes straight we like it that it's it's scary as shitless because <laughs> it is scary and death is scary and like dying alone is scary and all of that is very and feeling Feeling also, because again, this is what this movie does. It plays up the whole feeling nothing versus feeling everything, mm-hmm. you know, like the, and, and it's almost like what's worse, you know, yeah. again, the struggle of the soul. Do you feel nothing and say, oh, it's okay and whatever and whatever? Um, you're not, it's not necessarily going to make you feel any better in life versus, okay, feel, feel, deal with it. Oh, but good luck. May God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> it's it's such oh no, Mark, this is such a good movie. I mean, you know, like I think you 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 messaged me like, did you see this movie? <laughs> it's like, give me a second, and I think it was like two days later. I was like, Mark, I saw the movie. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh, it's so incredible. And I think you summed yeah, up my it's words. It's a tough watch for me. Yeah, but it's really good. Sorry. Yeah? Oh no no no. Um, I think you summed up my words really well when you said that. It doesn't rely solely on metaphor. There's not tons of allegory. There's no cliffhanger. It's it's there. It's all here for you to watch. It's there. Uh, And also just that that feeling of hopelessness gets me. Just that, man, because you know what's weird? And I was talking to Megan about this, and I I almost wrecked the whole film for her because I I just, well, I got to talk to you. Um, (laughs) I said... From the very beginning, I knew where this movie was going, and that's not a bad mm-hmm. thing. Sometimes I can telegraph where the movie's going, and I, I dislike it. But this one, I didn't know how it would get there, but I just knew everything was lost for these people. I just They were in – they're against something so over their heads without a support system that I just knew it was going to get them. I, I just I, – it, whatever it is, I just knew from the beginning all of them were doomed. And mm-hmm. it didn't make it any easier for me. Knowing that they were going to go, that how it was going to happen to them. It's just this weird, not weird, that's a wrong word. Just this sense of they were just so overmatched, <laughs> these people. And yeah. that, that, uh, that speaks to me in a lot of films where these people just don't have a chance. And uh, I don't know why that connects with me so much. Well, it's interesting you say that because, um, yeah, so... Yeah, just like a quick note on this, you're absolutely right. It was very clear from a very very early on in the movie that these people were doomed because clearly drama was at the forefront of the day. Listen, if you're gonna like, yeah, 
if 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 you have to deal with suicides and stuff that trauma it's a lot it's like yeah it's it's it got you you know and i think that's also a reason why we love this movie so much and appreciate it because it doesn't beat around the bush because a lot of movies we're, we're used to movies like showing someone going through trauma but then makes it out the other way <laughs> you know other side woo-woo. and you know that's all good we need those two because otherwise we would all just end up like the people in this movie but um at the same time like if you are going to constantly show people that has been through stuff those kind of movies that's not going to actually help them because in a way they're going to feel like you know they 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 starts becoming like a disconnect like mm-hmm. okay I, you know I, like and this movie is very much more relatable because we don't want to constantly be aware of what this movie is saying and showing but it's also good to be aware of it like you know yeah. <laughs> also not pretend like this isn't real like it's difficult it's hard it can get horrific it will probably never go away it's got you, but at the same time, not be completely like hopeless about it, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. No, absolutely. And yeah, but like, so I just wanted to say that. But then, um, like, what you say, yeah, why, you know, you, you feel for these people and stuff. I've been doing some uh, director Bong movies from Parasite. Um, uh, I've, I've been doing some sets for Cracks on his movies. Ooh, Memories and- of Murder? He loves using characters like, what does he call them? Lovable losers, the host, (laughs) parasites. And like, he loves using the lovable loser characters. And it is like, it's like, you know, these guys, they're also, they're doomed. It's not like his movies end well for any of them. Like the host, parasite, you know, it's very Uh sad and it's very tragic. And you so feel for them. And I just think it's, and it, it, again, plays back into what i've been saying just now of of we we love our superhero movies we love our yeah the character makes it out and they prevail and it's cool it gives us hope and whatever but at the same time these type of characters in a way are more relatable because hands up who of us really feel like we're super people and like you know Mm -hmm. like we all do feel weak a lot of the times we do feel like we're in over our heads so I do think that's also a reason why we we feel so much for these people, even more so. Um, I just think in a way it's almost more relatable. Like I, we, we need yeah. hope, but we also need to see ourselves like the way we feel sometimes, you know? Not necessarily. I, want, I don't want to say the way we are because, yeah, we probably don't see ourselves the way we really are. Mm-hmm. That's all like a therapy session. <laughs> but, um, Your hour's you know up. No, I'm joking. Saying. Like there's, you know, Um, I I love what you're saying though. There's a time and place for catharsis and this film would have been cheapened with that. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Right. It's really a time and place to be real about things as well. Like, you know, that we, we use a lot of things to cope in life and to make us not go over to the dark side and make us not give up all hope and make us at least try to go on. And that's all good. But at the same time, we should really not pretend like, we are not dealing with all these stuff because, yeah, that would also not – that's not helping anyone is what I'm saying. Oh, oh. All right. How about this? Let's take a quick break, and then when we come <laughs> back, we'll talk more Dark and the Wicked because we still need to talk about that lady who comes to the house, the priest. There's still a lot to cover. So uh, we'll Sound take right. a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk more Dark and the Wicked. We'll be right back. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Movies, Films, and Flicks. We got to talk about Xander Berkeley and his priest character because yeah. that's my main... The biggest question I have about this movie is this priest. So... One day when Michael's coming home, Michael Abbott Jr.'s coming home, he sees this priest. This priest gives him a cross. We know that these crosses were being stacked. Uh, we, we knew that Virginia was collecting these crosses. She had dealt with this priest. They had this really squirrely conversation. There, and It's pretty interesting, too, where you have this priest coming in their home. He's squirrely. And then Michael and Luis, you know, they seem to ra- react really strongly anti-religion. So this priest is in their home, and they're really kind of mad at them uh, just being in their home. And so you have this weird scene where the priest leaves, but later on the priest comes back, this white eyes, it won't come in the house, it disappears, I got goosebumps again. So you have this priest, yeah. and she calls this this man again from the card, and it's another man who's in Chicago, and he had a daughter named Louise who committed suicide. That's my main thing with this film, is because I don't understand that. Do you? Did you? Did Were you able to wrap your head around this moment? Honestly, no. Something that, like, when I saw it again now... Um, this afternoon when I watched it, I was again like, what? Because I get everything up to when she calls him. Like, yeah, yeah, because yeah. for me, yeah. yeah, you know, like, and I love the scene where he's in the house and it's this all, because I mean, in a way, they're kind of playing the blame game, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like their own guilt that they're putting onto him. Well, he clearly didn't help, <laughs> did you? Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, sorry. Like, the priest literally had to, what, keep her from checking out. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot to also, like, <laughs> expect from someone. But, I mean, that was clearly also their guilt playing into it a lot. A- again, a great way to use religion to, like, you know, show all these things that we do and whatever. Um, but, yeah, like, and I loved when he came back and it was, uh, like, uh, the, you know, the wolf. Because mm-hmm. in the house he also said, you think the wolf cares that he's a wolf? Yeah! So good. Mm-hmm. And he's so good also. Xander is so, so good in this. And um, he is good, though. I mean. But anyway, and uh, I, I think that he plays um, Trevor Lyle in Candyman. Yeah, he does. He gets wiped out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, no, wait. Yeah, he does. In the bathroom. Yeah. 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 Anyways, and um, so... Like, yeah, I love it when he comes back and he's like the wolf because I felt like in a way, so they they kind of put the blame on him and that's what they believed. Like, he didn't help. He he was like, he, you know, he brought all of this into the, their mother's life and whatever. So they kind of made him the wolf, which I also kind of liked. But yeah, then with the phone call. That wasn't then necessary, correct? Right? I think like that was the only thing that, but like this movie is so you know, full and rich was so much that I I almost immediately forget about it. But yeah, every time I watch it I am like, okay. I th- yeah, I think it was just another compounded thing, but I feel like I'm missing something there. And yeah. I haven't seen anyone really talk about it or ask questions about it. So I'm glad you did because I was gonna ask you it if you didn't ask me. So like, <laughs> like what is that, Mark? This isn't exactly articulate, but there are movies that have good, that ask good questions and that, that you leave with good questions, but then there's also movies where there's bad questions. There's, where, where, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you walk out of a movie and go, what was that? What, why, how did that guy jump 70 feet? That's a bad question, but that's my <laughs> – there's questions in this film, like what is it, who is it? I think those are good questions. This, the mm. one question that I have that I would, you know, air quotes bad is, you know, she calls this priest and he's in Chicago and he had a daughter named Louise who committed uh, suicide. So it's just he had never been down to Texas. And so <sighs> I think I, I think maybe like that was part of just adding to the whole supernatural thing of the movie. Um, but, yeah, I don't think I, I don't know if that was really necessary. But I mean. I don't really get it. So maybe someone else can like, yeah. clear that up for us. 
Send us a message. And also, too, the priest could have been real in the beginning or not. But then the demon maybe took his form later on because a demon can do that. So that makes sense to me. Okay, cool. No questions. Don't even care who it was. It's just a creepy, interesting moment. Once again, with communication being bad, the blame game. Totally get it. Perfect. Yeah, just that one call. Just that one call. And It's just that one call. And you know what gets me with movies? Uh, there are some people I, I really, really, really respect. And, and occasionally they'll say, oh, I didn't like the end of the movie. It sucks. But the other part of it was amazing. So... You, you have 99.9% .9 of the film being good, but you don't like 0.1, and that makes it bad. That's a really interesting thing that I come across a lot, where I don't like one... It didn't stick the landing. But you could have the... I don't know, if I'm pole vaulting... No, not pole vaulting. What, I, pummel horse? What's the one where the gymnasts run at something and then bounce off of it and do about 80 flips and land oh, on gosh. it? Gosh. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't know. So I could do that and have the greatest in the air routine ever, but then I shatter my leg. Like it's still a beautiful routine until I shatter my leg. So there's a <laughs> there's a lot to respect in it. So I don't I would never let that fully wreck my. It's a terrible example. Wreck my love of that just from that one call. But I, I found when I love movies, and there are a couple moments that leave me with a bad question or maybe ring a little empty, they're magnified. So, so if I'm watching a movie that I just want to enjoy, like 47 meters down to Uncaged, I can put up with any any wonky dialogue or jump scares just because that's the movie. That's what I want. But when you're watching this film that is as strong as this, these tiny moments that mean really shouldn't affect your feeling of the film, they stand out more. If that makes sense yeah i think it's because this movie is near perfect and then there's this one little thing and so because it's the one thing it's definitely bigger than it would have been if there were a couple of things i get yeah. that that makes a little sense um yeah i'm trying like as we speak i'm trying to like figure out what could be the reason for this but and let's yeah. say someone much smarter than us tells us the reason we you and i both still had the same question so even mm. if there is a reason to it, maybe it was a little clumsy, if that makes sense. And I'm not that's a that's yeah. weird to say for someone who made such a great film and, and has been in the genre for a long time, but that's just the one moment to me. And then what did you think about what Becky when she came or uh, yeah, wait, was it Becky mm. or Ella Ballantyne? The daughter. Yeah, this, yeah the, the girl, the yeah. young girl. That smile, she was in The Monster as well, that movie with him uh, that he directed. and so She was really good. Yeah. Like, uh, you're, she's, you're all, the wolf is here and it's too late. <laughs> yeah. That's, um. <laughs> that's, let's ride. Yeah. Um, yeah, that smile. Oof. Sure. And that's also the thing. I mean, like you said earlier you pretty much like scanned the movie and knew what was coming and whatever did you see that coming when she pitched up there i did yeah. not see her turn into a little demon uh, child <laughs> you know what's weird i was on that wavelength i knew it it was odd. for real yeah wow. I, I really I, i'm telling you watching this movie 15 minutes in i had a weird premonition about it i don't know and i just sort of i was totally on board with it but i knew that how that was going to end i knew everything and any anything everything all of the things 100 percent of everything was just going to be could be weird or nasty yeah. or mean or dark and wicked so yeah when she turned i just didn't see that smile going like that that visual Ew. is what got me really oof she was really great and i love also like i must say um kudos to like the accents in the film in general like it added something for me. I don't know, just the Texan accents, it just did something. And yeah, this little girl with a sweet Southern accent, and then she turned, sorry, I can't do accents. <laughs> <laughs> that was my best attempt to like a Southern accent. But, and then she turns, but it's still with that accent. Oh my yeah. word. It, yeah, it never took me out of that. And the reason they cast so Michael good. Abbott Jr. is because they said that he was a big corn-fed Texas boy. And, okay. And then they also the producer. She also produced uh, on the. Um, she also produced the Black Oats Daughter. She was talking about Mar in Ireland, and she just said she has an amazingly expressive face. And I agree. It's a very mm -hmm. unique. It, and it just sounds weird to say someone has a unique face, but I do think there are actors. I think there's actors up on screen for a reason, where their faces just sort of register differently on screen. Does that make sense to you? Am I saying yeah. something weird? There's a. 
I think there's yeah. a yeah. I I think the way your face is fil- gets filmed. It's odd to say, but there's just certain aspects I think that make people really interesting to look at. I guess, and I think Mar- Marlon has that. And for me, I live in Texas, uh, not Texas. I live in Georgia. I grew up in Florida, so I had to go north to get south. But I also had some southern people around me, and I. Man, I was watching this movie, The Mauritanian, and Benedict Cumberbatch, who I think is an excellent actor, had this accent, a South a South Carolina accent. And that's it's not as thick as other parts of the country, the, the that accent, but he laid it on and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> this is bad. And then you hear these some of these Stop. southern you hear some of these southern accents where people all oh, dang, I'll spit on a corner. You know, you're like, What? Who are you? What what are you doing? Uh yeah. the, these accents uh they definitely rang much more true to me and they never, my, my, I never like twitched listening to any of their conversations. I mean, they don't talk That's much, good. but yeah, no, especially just hearing those accents and just in the country. Uh, I mean, you know, once you get into the bigger cities, Dallas, San Antonio, you don't have that, but same in Florida, you get in the country of Florida, you have a country accent for some reason. So yeah, you get out in the middle of nowhere, Texas, they're going to have those. And I don't know, I, I, I dug it. I never, my ears never once just, like tried to escape my head listening That's to these cool. which is that would be insane zanandi if my ears just took off and see you later <laughs> mark i'll be back but yeah no honestly was, yeah, no I, I i dug it it's but you, that's what you get with these actors and i think that's what he was able to control his environment with this farm he got these really excellent actors and that's what i love nowadays and i remember in the 90s when we were kind of in the scream world and we were sure those, those actors are all 10,000 times better than me, but it's nice that we're in a time now where you get Tony Collette in horror movies. You're, you're getting some yeah. really talented actors who, I mean, these actors both, they're both on stage together and they had worked together on a film that was produced by Jeff Nichols. So they do a lot of stage work. So you got these, it was really interesting on this where Michael Abbott jr. He, he, he does a lot of plays, and so he was talking about how it was really difficult to do this because a lot of shots are close up on his face. And when you, you're doing plays, obviously, sorry if I'm being redundant, but you got to speak to the 50th row. Here, he's like, I have to speak to one person 10 feet in front of me on the screen or five feet in front of me or two feet in front of me. And so he 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 had a lot of um, – it was difficult for him to kind of get his headspace in, a, in a, that mode of acting. But yeah, you get good act- – like these are good actors. And they're not well-known enough to where you're watching – Tony Collette in a movie, you, you don't quite, mm. you, these are, you can buy these two as actual movie characters who are, does that make sense? Totally. Story okay. characters. And I mean, they were, yeah, they were great. Like, you know what I loved about it then the most is they're these two grown ups, these adult siblings, but they were reduced to children in this movie. Like both of them, we we talked about Island, um, you know, Louise, her character, Louise in the shower. Little girl absolutely so frightened in that shower. We had a lot of scenes with her where at the um nearer to the end where she just like fell on the floor and after she like phoned her brother and why did you leave me? And like there just those little girl moments on her face in her body, like reduced to a child. Michael, when he was in that room again with the lights, when the lights went on the second time, his face, you could see the little boy. He was hiding under and the it- covers. It was so good and it's subtle, not like this big, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm reduced to a child now. Like, it's so subtle, like, you know, but it's there. So good. No, it's. <laughs> and what you know what's interesting, too, is since this family doesn't talk much, this mom seems to have gone through, Virginia seems to have gone through a big change in her life where, you know, that wedding dress was for Louise and uh, she, uh, I just thought that was interesting, by the way, but they. Yeah. When they knew her, she she seemed like uh, there's th- no one has these conversations. Also, it seemed like Michael only loved the mom, didn't love the dad. And maybe it was vice versa with the other two. Like she was closer with the dad. Luis was closer with the dad than um, she, it was the siblings swap parents are like like who they like the most. But yep. they don't talk to each other. So when they meet again, they're those same people they were five years ago because they don't know how much they've changed throughout those process. And so when they come home, they just treat their mom like mom. This is a woman who has gone through months of hell, years of hell. I don't know. And so she's changed and she's started singing hymns and she maybe has started maybe embracing religion because of the presence of this demon. But they, 
if they just heard that from her right off the bat, they only know her from occasional conversations. So they're going to find that to be really weird because they're not there. I, just, I, I think it's interesting how you revert back to being a kid or you revert back to, oh, mom, because you don't see each other that much. And you just have this relationship where you sort of revert back to old dynamics because you don't know who mm. each other are now. Yes. And that's another, another thing that was played really well in this movie that sat with me, too, where you don't see somebody from 10 years. You're still, you know, when I was 20, I was a maniac. So when people see me now, they're like, hey, maniac Mark. I'm like, well, you know, I have two cats <laughs> and a wife and a house. Like, we're, I'm pretty chill now. But it's... Yeah. You, but you still equate that with them. So I really thought that was interesting how this mom has gone through this and changed. And But they wouldn't have accepted that if she told them because they never communicate. It's interesting. Yeah, and I think I think it's the same with Michael as well. Like, you know, like I, I can hear that you're very upset with Michael for leaving her alone in the end. But you know what? He's got a family of his own now. Yeah. He's got like responsibilities there as well. He's got people that he actually loves where it doesn't seem like Louise does, except for her family, which isn't Michael's fault. Like, so, you know, like it's it's interesting, like, kind of, she doesn't want things to change. She actually just wants the old ways back. She wants her mom and dad there. She wants her brother there. She wants to feel safe. She wants, like, things just to go back to the way it was. wasn't necessarily that great, but I think she feels so lost and so alone that, you know, like, I think we do that, like, you know, and like when we were younger and you went through a breakup and like you're fine and whatever, you've decided to move on. But you get those days where you feel so lonely that you, you kind of wonder, ah, should I maybe, should I go back? You revert to that. But it's just because you're feeling so shitty and lonely, you know? Yeah. Um, It's not that you should go back. You shouldn't. But like that's such a normal thing. And I think, yeah, you're right. That definitely played into into the movie with a lot of different like aspects within the family, which just, yeah, makes it again, very relatable. Here's Um, a wild hypothetical. If Michael stays, the nurse lives and then the nurse might be there potentially. Oh no. Cause she'll leave. But if Michael stays, the nurse doesn't do that to herself because the nurse found that weakness at that moment when she is, you know, you left me, I have nobody. And She's there. So the nurse might have not had that moment of weakness to die, like to, to be no. taken over. So when the father passes, soon thereafter, they're both there together. What happens? I like, I think something. It's a crazy hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, but I love it. Um, I do think if Louise didn't freak out that much over Michael going, the nurse would also still have been fine. Yeah. Like, Louise started freaking out, and then the nurse started freaking out. Like, that literally came together right there. But, yeah, no, hypothetical, he stayed, and she was there, and they were with their dad together, and the nurse, like, gave them a moment to, like, be there at the end with their dad. Um, I think, it, yeah, I think then you'd maybe be in a, like, it follows territory where... <laughs> <laughs> brother and sister is just gonna be like haunted with this thing i i guess i don't know what do you think i don't know because i but it's it's just a, a good question though i like thinking about that because mm-hmm. there's there's no and you're right and i guess i keep putting blame on michael i mean at the end of the day you just want to go home i can't tell you the amount of th- shoots i've been on or with family and friends where i just want to get back to megan like yeah, when I was exactly. working, when I, and this is totally different, but when I was working nights, I would just drive home to see her for, uh, I don't know, however long it was so she could go to work and then I'd sleep for a few hours and then I'd drive back to the film set. And so it's, mm-hmm. uh, but I, you know, I risked a lot of sleep and, and everything, but I just wanted to go home and see it. And that's just, that's just my wife, not my wife and kids. So I guess you can't blame him. And then her response because of that, neither, I, I guess, are at fault he just did what he he's that i think he did what he had always done where he just sort of was his family and that's what he cared about and uh, it's um right yeah Yeah, no it's good i i think also like at the end of the day i don't think it matters much because what is the right thing to do under circumstances like that you know it's gonna be difficult either way um you're going to get haunted either way. Like it's, you know, one of those type of things, but it does, it does ask the question of, and I think that's what it asks from the audience. Like we watch this and you're like, okay, what's the better thing to do here? What's the better way to like deal with this? 
which are it, those are great questions to ask, you know, for whenever you find yourself in a situation like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's good questions, Mark. These are good questions. I want to do something about how to defeat this thing. <laughs> good luck defeating death. Yeah. <laughs> it's hubris at its max, right? Go watch Thor or something. Yeah. <laughs> Go watch your superhero. Thor to the Dark World. But it's it's yeah. Also, a couple of other things that we haven't touched on. I really like the neighbor who uh, Luis is given to him as a vision. She starts cutting herself in his house, and he immediately yeah. blows his brains out. He's alone. He's in his he's in that yeah. trailer by himself. So he gets caught in that moment trying to help them. That that's how he gets gone. It's really yeah. it just and and also too when you think about strangers. That, that couple, they were they were breaking up. They were estranged. They were in a rough mm. patch, and so they were experiencing this tension between them. So when these three faceless, maskless, faceless killers come, they're not a unit. They're separated. So I I wonder if you know even the monster. There's some family issues in there. So I, I wonder if he likes tackling that, where the separate unit are put in an incredibly hopeless situation. But I. I never, it's hopeless, but I don't see it as being like nihilistic or pointless either. No, no, it just, it shows how difficult it is to go through things alone. That's what it shows. That's the movie. It shows that it's way more difficult to go through things alone. That's the movie. Oh. That's All what right. I think. I think the message is as simple as that. Hey, we've done it. We, you and I have been struggling for words for this movie for months now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's good, though. I've never been flummoxed about a movie. I mean, sometimes I can sit down and write a review in a half, 20 minutes because there's nothing in there that's that's challenging. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, I can just write a straightforward review. I just think this is one worth exploring. And I, I'm glad I've explored it because I just had I, – I wasn't happy with myself for not being able to explain this movie or have words for it. But now I think I do. And I like that. Yeah, I think, like, personally, like, I am a very emotional person, and this movie just, like, really sucked me in. That's why I didn't, like, you know, I didn't see things coming, because I wasn't, usually, I'm exactly like you. We like, like, you know, it's a puzzle, like, figure it out, it's cool. Um, plus, we also know movies, so we know what to look out for and stuff. With this movie, I was just in it, and, yeah, <laughs> in it. <laughs> like, it, 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 it's, like I said, it's a hard watch for me, but... Um, at the same time, it also shows what a great movie it is, that a movie can keep you so completely in it that you're not constantly looking for ooh ways here, there, or whatever. It just takes you, you know? And I think that's why I struggled for a long time because I think it's one of those movies that I kind of need to talk about, and I think I'm definitely not alone. I think a lot of people need to talk about how they feel about this movie because um, there are a lot of emotional stuff in it, and yeah, like that can it can't it, being emotional, feeling emotional isn't always the clear clearest state of mind to be in. So mm -hmm. talking about it is good, and like figuring it out together, and yeah, because it's it's such a good movie. Like so many amazing shots, also like. It's we, a movie that yeah. sticks. We also, we actually, you and I spoke about how this movie stuck with us. Like, because mm -hmm. that's the other thing. Like, we don't always remember. Yeah, a movie needs to really do something for it to really stick in our heads. And this is definitely one of them. And I think, yeah, a lot of the fans of this movie, they feel exactly the same. It's a movie that you won't forget soon. No, absolutely. And I like how you and I both had different journeys with this movie, and we sort of watched it differently. Yeah. And I think you and I attempt to watch movies in the same way. I never sit down watching a movie, and I'm going to figure this out, or I'm going to guess. I just let the experience yeah. watch over me. So I yeah. think a lot of people had trouble. This is really random, but the movie Tenant, I guess a lot of people had trouble with it. But I just sat down and embraced the beautiful cinematography and production design and suits and action. Um, and I, I just kind of said, I don't really care what the story is. I'm, I'm just going to let it wash over me and I was able to yeah. enjoy it. And for some reason I couldn't, for some reason, I don't know. I had a completely different experience with this one. I, I didn't come into it with any, I just heard it was good. So I watched it and we were, we were preparing for our 2020 best horror list. So I, I knew I had to watch this and it, I don't know. It's, I like our different journeys watching this film because so we, cool. we tackle it from, we, we do. No, I think we watch movies in the same way. I, I'm, I'm talking a lot here, but 
it's cool. It's, it, I think everyone has <laughs> different experiences it. with it. And But yeah, no, I have words for this movie. And I think I can write a solid review for it now. So I'm excited about yeah. that. Yeah. Honestly, I was thinking of, yeah, doing a review after we've spoken, but, like, now I don't have to anymore, because I think I said what I wanted to say. Yeah, I now I have know. to recreate all this. I'm just going to take a transcript of what you said and put it into a doc, and then post the review. <laughs> That'd be put great. my name under it. <laughs> Mark Hoffmeyer. <laughs> you can be like, dang it! Well, hey, thank you for joining me. This was this was wonderful. I'm glad that I got to to talk to you about this. Yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about this movie in general and, like, get it out there as well because I think, yeah, people should give it a go. Like, I know some people that have seen it, but more people can definitely check it out. Um, sorry for the spoilers, anyone, but, yeah, it's still a ride. It's still a ride. Check it out. Where can people find you <laughs> on Twitter? They can find me in the dark. <laughs> right behind you. Right behind you. Um, like you can find me on Twitter at Sanandi. Yeah, I'm doing some fun stuff that I can't talk about right now, but hopefully soon. And the best way of finding out what exactly that is, is on the Twitter. So yeah. And I am on the Deep Sea pod every now and then. Yes. <laughs> if you've not heard of it, like Mark and Jake Lewis does the Deep Sea pod. We're currently in Deep Sea 2. This is the second, the sequel series. It's so much fun. I'm very jealous that I can't do every episode with them. It's fabulous. So go check out the DPC podcast on Twitter or like the pod, wherever. Mark, you're way better with plugging stuff. Yeah, listen to Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. It's really funny. And we had a, we had a, a, a excellent time talking about uh, Joy Swims. And I think we gave the movie an adequate amount of love, had a good conversation. So listen to Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, for sure. Check it out. And then also go on Twitter. I'll include it in the post here uh, where you're at on Twitter. But you got some cool stuff coming up. I think it's – I can't wait. Mm, yeah, I'm also excited. Like, working really hard right now. But, yeah, it's fun. So, mm. All right. So thank, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Mark. It's been good. All right. So for me, Mark Hoffmeyer, and for Zanandi Boetis, this is Movie Sons Flicks. We'll see you next week.